the Stretch 4 NBA podcast with your hosts, Dan Titus and NBA experts, Alex Burns, Zach Hanshu, and Adam Koffler. What up, what up, NBA fans? Dan Titus here with the Stretch 4 NBA podcast, bringing you our latest episode, episode nine. We are now past the trade deadline, and it was... I mean, to be honest, to me, it was a little bit lackluster, but I know Burns is pretty hyped to acquire Victor Depot for next to nothing. We'll get into that in a little bit more. Just wanted to thank Underdog Podcast for sponsoring us. It's been a great ride thus far. And so as we get into today's episode, we're going to run down all the significant trades that happened over the course of this week. And then we'll also get into how to manage your roster for the remainder of the season. There is only three weeks remaining until the playoffs. So this is really go time for everybody that's a fantasy manager. Like this is the, the crucial time where you're going to want to get those league winners. We've already been talking about some of them over the course of the last few weeks, but we'll definitely get into more. I wanted to also give a shout out to Bavada. If you need to place a bet for the college March Madness, what's left of it is the Sweet 16. Be sure to go there to do that. Let's get into some action, guys. First, let's going to get some rapid reactions from the the squad here on the trade deadline. So first let's go start off with the magic. So man, that was a crazy fire sale at the beginning of the, of the deadline here. So we got Vucevic heading out to Chicago. We have Evan Fournier going to the Celtics and Aaron Gordon going to the Denver nuggets. But I want to get your guys take on what that means for the magic roster right now. And if there's anybody you should pick up. Yeah. A ton of value on the, on the magic now with, Three of their best players uh, gone to different spots. They played Friday night. They had only eight men playing. The starters were uh, Chuma Okiki, who we're going to talk about here in a second. Ken Birch played center. Jason Randall, a point guard. James Ennis at the three, and I can't recall who played the two. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't anybody uh, to write home about. Oh, Dwayne Bacon. That's uh, that's that's Hanshu's guy. But it looked like it looked like Okiki's a big winner out of, out of this uh, all the all these trades at the trade deadline. Put up twenty two six and four. Uh, he's been cooking the last couple games. He's a he's a first round pick out of Auburn, so Orlando's going to be looking for their young guys to step up, uh, see what they've gotten them for the rest of the season. Uh, I don't think that guys like Gary Harris and Otto Porter that came over to the Magic are going to be worthy of a pickup. They might even be bought out. I think Otto Porter said he wasn't going to do a buyout, but you know the Magic are—they're not—they're not going to give Otto Porter forty minutes a night because um, that's—he's not part of their plans for the future. So you know, I'm looking at guys like Okiki, uh, Birch, even though he may come off the bench, and Wendell Carter Jr. might get the start uh, because they're going to—you know—the Magic are going to want to show that what they got in return for Vucevic is a—you uh, know—a good—a good stash there. So. But there's lots of value to be had on the Magic, and I I would go pick up Okiki right now. Yeah, I tweeted about Okiki a couple months ago, so to keep an eye on him if something ever happened at the trade deadline. Looks like it has. My only question with Orlando is what happens when Terrence Ross comes back into the mix? Because he's going to get his shots. He's going to get his usage. I think Otto Porter and Gary Harris will remain in Orlando. I think Gary Harris showed flashes in the first couple years of his career, and Orlando probably wants to see if he – they can maybe reignite something in him. I don't think he's like going to be a league winner, so I don't think you should go at him right now. But I don't know. Uh, I want to see what what Terrence Ross, what happens with him. I thought he was going to get traded or, or bought out or something, but it looks like when he's back from his injury, he's going to take a lot of usage off the bench. So one thing, one thing to note is, and 
I like to be proactive about picking these guys up. So people ask on Twitter, well, well, what about, you know, what about Terrence Ross? What about Gary Harris? What about Wendell Carter? Well, pick up Okiki now, because if Okiki continues to start, even with those guys on the team, you're going to, you're going to miss out. It's going to be too late. So, so be proactive, get a guy that has a higher ceiling than a guy like, you know, Marquise Morris or Marcus Morris. I would drop those guys because they're, while their floor is safer, they got, they've got no ceiling, right? Yeah, completely agree, man. And I, I definitely like Okiki as a pickup. I, I still think we need to see what happens when Wendell Carter comes back. A, a guy that I'm, I'm really high on, Dwayne Bacon. Uh, I'm going to take you guys a little old school right here when I give you my pick here. So here's the claim I'm staking and I'm not breaking, surely not faking with the pick I'm making. I'm taking Dwayne Bacon. Now I got you guys quaking. Zach oh coming with gosh. the bars. Spitting hot fire, man. I'm, I'm spitting hot fire all day, man. I'm picking up Dwayne Bacon. He had a great game last night, 17 points, six assists. He's a guy that's not going to be affected by the return of Wendell. Obviously, Terrence Ross is the biggest winner in all of this because he should be the offensive leader the rest of the way. But if he you know, is injured, if the Magic decide to rest him, um, I, I really think Bacon is a guy that can get his shots. And I also would like to mention R.J. Hampton, who came over in the deal. He's a great dynasty buy right now. Um, he gets mm-hmm. off of that uh, crowded Denver team. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities moving forward as the Magic continues to rebuild. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. I think that was kind of the unsung value of the, the trade was that R.J. Hampton came over. Highly recruited, highly touted prospect. Played overseas, obviously, and then he got drafted into the log jam. That is the the Denver Nuggets. But uh, ultimately, I think that that's going to be their probably one of their biggest saviors of this trade. You know, hopefully that will be a, an opportunity for him to get some time on the court. And with all the injuries that are mounting for the Magic, there's no telling. You know, obviously, Jonathan Isaac's been out. That's been a huge blow for them, Markel Fultz. But if you get R.J. Hampton in there, they have a nice little young, young core there for the future. So go to the next squad uh being that we we're just talking about orlando magic and making that trade with the nuggets to acquire rj hampton what do we think about aaron gordon's fantasy value going forward as a member of the denver nuggets i'm wow. thinking this is yeah i'm thinking this is going down i think that they acquired him this is more of a, a basketball real life basketball move that benefits the nuggets more so than fantasy managers because the the one thing that michael porter jr has been slacking at really has been his defense and you get Aaron Gordon now, their defense is extremely long. I think they're going to wreak havoc here. This is a great move for them to move up into the playoffs. But want to get your guys' take on what this does for anyone that owns him as a, as a fantasy manager. Uh, and, and to your point, Dan, <clears throat> this is not only bad for Gordon's fantasy value, but I think Michael Porter Jr., his fantasy value as well. To your point, you know, his defense has been lacking most of this season. It's resulted in a couple – weeks worth of him seeing low minutes and he's kind of been in and out of the rotation a little bit, but his minutes have stabilized recently, but I think this is going to crowd it a little bit more. Somebody asked me on Twitter when the trade happened said, Oh, is like Aaron Gordon worth holding onto? Yes. Like I think Aaron Gordon will get his, he'll provide fantasy value, but I don't know if he's going to have the same upside as he did in Orlando um, on this crowded team. I mean, he's definitely going to be the fourth option on offense. Right. And I was asked, I was asked if, if Will Barton should be held on to. And that's that's a guy who, you know, I might be willing to cut bait with because because Gordon's gonna take soak up some shots there. Whereas Paul Millsap was really just a guy who was, you know, just kind of there playing a little bit of defense, you know, taking a couple shots. But uh, you know, with uh, with the addition of Gordon, I would say I would say Barton's a drop. One thing I did when uh, when that trade went down is I I went to Bavada to check on the the odds for 
Denver winning the, the NBA championship. Cause I, I think that's a really good squad there in Denver. I think they've got some really good depth now, especially with adding JaVale McGee uh, behind uh, Nikola Jokic. They didn't really have a big man before that. It was like Zeke Naji and uh, Bull Bull. So they've got, they've got some depth now, and I really like that lineup. So that's, that's a team I'm looking at to make some noise. With Jokic, he's a guy that I actually think is going to probably see a little decrease in points and rebounding. Uh, I think he has another playmaker that he could probably keep up with his assist numbers, but I think it's certainly fair to expect a, yeah, at least a, a small downturn in points and rebounds. I mean, Gordon's a 14-7 and seven type of guy. And then if we're talking from dynasty perspective, I think this is kind of – it's early in his career, but is this the death knell for Bowl, Bowl's uh, long-term outlook? I mean, is this guy ever going to really be a thing? I mean, you're, you're getting JaVale McGee picked up over you. I, I mean, that's kind of a – right? That tells you what you need to know. De- he's definitely a project, right? Like, I think that the, yeah. with the Denver Nuggets right now, they're tooling up for the, for the, for the short term. They're making this playoff run. I think acquiring JaVale McGee was actually also a very sneaky move that I thought was going to be very valuable for them um, as they're getting that depth out. Because um, Bull Bull is not going to be the one that they want to count on for those minutes when they're, you know, when it's playoff and crunch time. Yeah, let's switch over to the first trades actually that happened this in this headline was DeLon Wright heading to Sacramento in exchange for some picks. But I think what this really did, and I know Adam's probably going to, Probably going to go off on this one because he's been touting. Uh, ty- I think we've all been talking about Tyrese Halliburton for quite some time, but I think now this is just a great opportunity for him. And now uh, for the Pistons, maybe this means Killian Hayes eventually gets into the lineup. He's been on IR for quite some time now. Uh, they obviously still have Dennis Smith Jr., but I think if you're going to go for a late deep round stash, you know, right now Killian Hayes can't hurt you. Detroit will likely put some minutes into their younger players, but Adam, I know you got some thoughts there. Yeah, so. DeLon Wright was a starter there in Detroit, and Friday night they decided to roll with Rodney Magruder as the starting point guard on the Pistons. So now the Pistons have, you know, three or four guys in Joseph, Magruder, apparently, Dennis Smith Jr., and Saban Lee, who are all going to see minutes to point guard. I actually think this is an uptick for guys like Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bey. Because there's there's no longer a guy like DeLon Wright who's going to see a lot of minutes, soak up a lot of minutes at, at point guard who's gonna, who can put the ball in the basket as well. So I think there's like two guys there on, on offense putting the ball in the basket. Obviously, Mason Plumlee as well, but he's not really a shot taker like that. So I think this is actually good for Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bay. They'd probably get a little bit of an uptick for me. You're on that Josh Jackson oh, yeah. train. Yep, Josh Jackson, agree with that. He's, he's definitely the sixth man there in Detroit, and he puts up all sorts of stats. Agree. Yeah, and I got to say, too, while we're on this topic, how disrespectful was it to DeLon Wright when Woj was breaking the news on ESPN? He's like, oh, I got a trade came in. He's like, it's a small, it's a small one. DeLon Wright's going to Sacramento. DeLon Wright is good, man. And he he was good this season, not only in fantasy and real life, he's a great defender. Um, I think his, his fantasy value took a hit with going alongside De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and in that offense, definitely. But uh, I, honestly, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I don't even know if he's worth holding on to. I actually dropped him in one of my leagues. You have you have to wait to see if the Kings are going to keep Tyrese Halliburton in the starting lineup. I do think that they will, but at the at the same time, I think that the Del, I think that Delon Wright is like their sixth man off the bench. They want to they want to play small, right? So they've got Wright, Fox, Halliburton, uh, Buddy Heald. So they're they're a small run and gun team. They they get up, you know, it's an up tempo style of basketball. So I think there's room there for Delon Wright. 
he's going to see more minutes than Corey Joseph. Um, just kind of depends on uh, on how uh, Luke Walton decides to run that rotation, but he's a hold for me still. Yeah, for, part of me kind of still has like the Woj reaction to it. Like this is actually one of the more insignificant trades of the of the fantasy deadline or trade deadline. But yeah, I, I think uh, I, I agree. I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to be a mainstay in the starting lineup. There's he's just been playing outstanding as of late, and uh, I don't see I don't see him giving up his starting role for Delon Wright, who's probably just going to be bench depth at this point. But yeah, let's move on to like probably one of the bigger trades, the Heat acquiring Victor Oladipo. I Woo! traded for Victor Oladipo in, in one of my more competitive leagues right before he went to the Houston Rockets. And I was actually doubting myself quite a bit. But now I'm just hoping he can stay on the court. He's actually going to want to play more than just, you know, every other game. I think now that the Heat are firmly in the playoff contention and playoff race, they're going to need him on the court. They didn't acquire him for no reason. I think that they're probably going to offer him an extension after the season. We'll see what Pat Riley decides to do. But what do we think of Oladipo's outlook and ultimately what this means for, I mean, this is only really a Christian Wood situation for the Houston Rockets. It just gets better for him. He has even less talent to compete with for shots. So I think he's the obvious winner from a fantasy perspective. So if you have him, congratulations. But what do we think this does to Oladipo and the rest of the Heat roster going forward? Yeah, I want to I want to take talk about the heat for one second, because I think this has a ton of ramifications. I think Victor Oladipo, for one, he has wanted to come to Miami for the last couple of years. Like he's hinted towards it. He's lived in Miami for, I think, a few years now. So he's where he wants to be. So I think he's going to play. I think he's going to go all in. I don't think he's going to be resting all the time. I don't think the heat culture would kind of let him do that if it really wasn't an injury just to sit out whenever. Um I do think his signing or his trade coming to Miami is really bad for Tyler Hero. I think that is because I was somebody that before the trade deadline and uh, coming out of the All Star break, I was I tweeted a couple of times. I'm like, hey, go buy Tyler Low. His values uh, or Tyler Hero, his values at an all time low right now. Victor Oladipo is going to be the guy who gets buckets. He's going to that's what Miami needs. Tyler Hero still going to hold some value, but I don't know. I think this destroys all of his value. I do have to say too. I'm very interested to see what Bavada's odds for Miami winning the uh, or being a contender or getting to the ECF or or even the finals are after Victor Oladipo signing. I think they increased. I think, man, for sure that um, that Victor Oladipo's value is going to go down now, right? Um, so, I mean, the Heat picked them up because they're looking to go on a depot playoff run, um, just like they did last year. Uh, but uh, how how is his value going to to increase now when he goes from being a big fish in the small Houston pond to playing alongside Jimmy buckets, bam at and quality shooters around them instead of, you know, a tanking Houston team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely, I don't like his value there. A uh, couple guys that I love, I think you're right with Christian Wood, but uh, you know, if John Wall's healthy, uh, you know, there's a boost for him and Kevin Porter Jr. When he comes back, man, um, in case you guys didn't know, I actually have a fondness for him. So uh, I actually think he will, uh, you know, I think his value will be better in the long run as well. I think that fondness is moving more towards obsession at this point, but Shh, don't tell yeah. anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally agree on Kevin Porter Jr. John Wall is going to continue to take games off. And without all the depot there, Kevin Porter Jr. is looking pretty damn good right now. Yeah, and I think too, back to I agree with all of that on the on the Houston Rockets side. They're tanking. There's going to be a ton of uh, value up for grabs there. Uh, looking back towards the Heat too, I think I think the value or I think the usage of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Victor Oladipo, I think it's all going to go down. Like their usage is going to go down, but I think their efficiency will go up. 
Like I think Jimmy buckets, he's so good. I think he's an elite, elite, elite second option on offense. He's a great all around player and you want him on your team. But I think as far as a guy like giving the ball, if you need a bucket, he's really not the kind of guy you, you pick first. He's not over like a LeBron or like a Steph Curry or, or someone like that. So I think the fact that Oladipo is now in Miami, it gives him the, the option to not have to be the offense. And I think his usage will go down, but I think his efficiency will go up. I think he's still an elite, elite value rest of season. So we're taking, we're taking the Jimmy Buckets nickname away from him if he's not the one getting buckets there in Miami or what? Maybe. We can give him whatever nickname he wants as long as we get to the finals and win again. I, I think he might average like 10 assists a game now with Old Depot in town. Yeah, to be honest with you. yeah something you know, like that. Hey, now that he's a good teammate, I mean, we've heard the narrative that he's a bad teammate. How about Jimmy Buddy instead of Jimmy Buckets? <laughs> I mean, how does sure. that work? Okay. Yep. That's good. All right. Next trade. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, I just want to go back to Alex's point and, and and seeing how the markets are adjusting to this acquisition. And right now, the 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 Miami Heat have moved in as the Southeast Division favorite to win the division. And it's really interesting because the Atlanta Hawks are actually the the Charlotte Hornets are now bo- ahead of both of those teams in the Eastern Eastern standing. So you know, obviously, Lamelo Ball is going to be out for a matter of weeks. But right now, the, the Hornets are looking at plus 650 on Bovada with the Atlanta Hawks at plus 210. And then you have the favorites at the Miami Heat at 175. So, obviously, Vegas believes in your squad, Alex. They, they think that they're going to definitely make a run for it for the division. But right now, they're, they're currently eighth in the Eastern Conference. So, they're going to have to pick it up quickly. This is a side note because you just mentioned the Hornets. But Pat Riley had to have slept with Malik Monk's girl at some point in the last couple of years. <laughs> like that's the, like, I don't know if you guys watched the game and have seen Malik Monk versus the heat this season, but it is like, he turns into Michael Jordan with a little dash of Larry bird. Every time he faces Miami, I can't stand it. Did Miami pass on him when, when he was drafted or something? Is it like that Maybe. Steph Curry effect where he's like, just burns everybody that he plays against that's uh, that passed on. Probably. Him? I don't know. All right, let's get to the next trade. Let's talk about Norman Powell going over to the Portland Trailblazers. I think this is actually a pretty significant move for both teams. I, I called it addition by subtraction because they got rid of Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood and acquired Norman Powell. And I think Norman Powell fit in just nicely with the with the Blazers. And now, you know, maybe this is less this is less pressure on Damian Lillard. And I think this is more of, again, this is probably more of a real life basketball move than a, a fantasy implication here. But I think that Powell will be a nice fit for those Blazers, even though they're pretty deep in the, that three position, like they have Derek Jones Jr. They have Carmelo Anthony that still gets minutes there, but I think Powell is going to be that solution that can bring them instant offense at a more efficient clip plus defense for the Blazers. But Adam, I know you have some thoughts on, on Norman Powell's situation and, and potentially what this does also for the Raptor side of things. It's crazy. All of a sudden with one trade and one Yusuf Nurkic coming back into the lineup and the trailblazers, the trailblazers all of a sudden have depth and they have like a nine man rotation all of a sudden, somehow they're, they're playing like seven guys before. So starting lineup of Lillard McCollum, Norman Powell, uh, Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic with Cantor Mello, Anthony Simons off the bench. I love it. I love what Portland's yeah, really, doing there. Really solid squad, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Portland and Denver really, really improved with you know one you know, one little trade at the deadline. Um, I think these are these are basketball moves for sure. I don't know. Yeah, Norman Powell's fantasy value probably comes down a little bit because he's got McCollum and Lillard next to him. On the other side, 
Uh, on the Toronto side, Gary Trent Jr. Uh, steps up into the starting lineup to take Powell's spot. So maybe a couple more shots for Gary Trent Jr. Uh, it's a it's a watch for Rodney Hood. He's like the tenth man off the bench. But I do think this helps guys like Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, and Pascal Siakam a little bit. With Norman Powell was you know, averaging like twenty shots a game almost at some point. So that's my thoughts on on that trade. Zach, what do you think, man? Man, Norman Kapow went for 22 points last night in his debut with the Blazers. He nailed five triples, dude. This guy has averaged over, you know, almost 20 points a game all season. He's been playing with a talented Toronto squad. And now now that he's over with the Blazers, you know, he's still going to succeed even with all this talent around him. No Um, Lillard. I know, but (laughs) that's okay. That's okay, man. That's all right. Listen. I think it's more of a, like you said, it's more of a lateral move. It's more of a basketball move, but I still think he has the potential for, you know, 20 points a night. Maybe the, maybe the scoring comes down a little bit, but I still think he's going to be successful in Portland. And to your point, man, that starting lineup is dangerous, but they're going to have to get into a lot of shootouts because where's the defense on this squad? Yeah. A lot yeah, of scoring. I, there, well, I tend to agree with with Adam in the fact that there's no way that he's going to get 20 shots a game in Portland. and. I think, and this is, I'm talking to myself here, whenever we talk about Portland from a fantasy perspective, I'm always, oh, fast-paced team. They, you know, they're up at the top five in pace uh, rating every single year. And, you know, they, they shoot a lot of shots, a lot of possessions a game. They've actually dropped uh, this year. They're actually ranked 21 in pace rating. I think uh, Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr., those kind of guys, they've become more of kind of a defensive-minded team. So while that's not the end-all be-all, I don't think there's any way that, that Norman Powell sees close to the same volume he was seeing in Toronto. So I think his fantasy value has to drop a little bit. Yeah. And, and going back to another point that Adam brought up uh, real quick uh, with who benefits on the Toronto side, we saw Pascal Siakam score 26 points, six assists and 11 rebounds with Gary Trent in the lineup. I don't, I don't, I think that this is one of the guys that we were talking about by lows when they were all having COVID uh, when the COVID outbreak was going through the Raptors. Siakam's been cooking since then, and I think Fred VanVleet was also going to benefit by this maneuver by by getting less shots out with Al out the way. I think this is a good spot for those guys to go off towards the end of the season here. Even though Toronto is not very good, I think they were also hit hard hard by COVID. So I think that that coupled with playing in Tampa all season, it's just been a rough go for them. But I think that they're also going to be really good the end of the final fantasy season on last week's pod we said that he was a drop he's not worth holding on to especially with McCollum is does anything change with him landing in Toronto no he's a starter he's gonna you know he's gonna take seven eight nine shots a game but he's not gonna do anything else for you so he he doesn't really have a ceiling especially with those other scoring options on the Raptors I mean if he's on the if he's on waivers though I mean if you got some somebody you can cut he is certainly valuable for a threes perspective i think he's he's doing much of the same for the raptors that he was for the blazers so if you didn't have him roster before that then nothing makes you do it yeah exactly not too much upside there we'd be remiss not to talk a little bit about kyle lowry right and how how for months they were talking about how he's going to be dealt he was like the the guy that everyone just knew was going to be traded like almost like you know aaron gordon and then, you know, comes down to the deadline last couple of minutes and it's like, oh, Kyle Lowry is actually not on the move. Like, what were the Raptors expecting to get for a 36-year-old point guard? I mean, that's so that's been, the thing. In the, right. So, was he like, he's like, he's actually like, what, 34? But yeah. He, it he just seems like he's 36. I just yeah. guessed. But um, it, I think it, what it really came down to was that 
the Heat were not willing to part with young assets. Not, neither were the Sixers. And which is interesting because if you're going to win now, and even the Lakers, you know, they were dark horses to also acquire Lowry. Ultimately, I think that they were all just like, you know what, we'd rather mortgage what we have right now and play the buyout market, which I think is, you know, for the for the Sixers, I think that that was the right decision. For the Lakers, they're probably going to be the odds-on favorite to get Drummond. Spend that money accordingly. And does it make sense to invest in a 34-year-old point guard that's, you know, going to want to sign an extension for $20 million a year? Probably not. So It's the Chris yeah. Paul effect, man. Yeah, Everybody sees what, what Chris Paul was worth a couple years ago or the last – but two years and makes teams and hungry. And he's making double that. Was he yeah. making like 40 mil a year, which is crazy. And he's actually like 36 years old. <laughs> I know. And he's worth every, every penny too. He is. He is. And, and, and Daryl Morey said in the interview recently that the Sixers are the number one defense in the NBA. And that's, that's what he wants to win on. And so that's why he, he went out and acquired George Hill. Who's going to bring that intensity on the defensive end. It's a basketball move. Not, there's nothing happening there. Fantasy wise. Jake Milton probably takes a little bit of a hit as he's not going to be asked to do as much off the bench in terms of, you know, being a point guard. But I think the Sixers were unwilling, like Dan said, to, to mortgage their future over a guy who might come in and actually break the chemistry that the Sixers have this season. The Sixers look like a really good squad this season. And it's, I think they were hesitant to part ways with two first rounders for a guy that's, you know, probably on the decline at this point in his career. Yeah, I think it's a great call because the I think the George Hill is just a way cheaper acquisition that could just have about as equal to better value just because he's a veteran that understands how to play. He's played in multiple different systems. I think he's a, a guy you can plug in there, play good defense, take some pressure off of the backcourt woes that the Sixers have. And then you can even maybe insert him in the starting lineup, put Seth Curry as the sixth man. So then the, that bench that was weak now has at least some offensive firepower. But we're going to switch to a big man conversation. Nikola Vucevic, the cornerstone piece of the Orlando Magic, two-time All-Star, has now moved on to a way better situation, paired off with Zach Levine in Chicago. From a fantasy perspective, probably takes a bit of a dip in terms of usage, but I don't know. We, we This could be a usage hit for Zach Levine just the same. I mean, he's never had a big man since his days playing with Carl Anthony Towns. And so now you have a, a, a Chicago team that has Lori Markkinen, Zach Levine, and Vucevic, as well as Daniel Tice coming over on, the, on a humble. This, this Bulls team is stacked up now. I love the depth that they did. So what do we think about Vooch going forward? What does this mean for Zach Levine and some of the other core players of the Chicago Bulls? I was adamant on Twitter about disliking this trade for the Orlando Magic. Get, getting rid of Vucevic teams become obsessed with young talent and thinking that Wendell Carter is going to turn into a Nikola Vucevic. Nobody's going to turn into a Nikola Vucevic. He's a, he's a top 20 player in the NBA. So, you know, I, I don't love, I don't love what the magic did there and getting rid of him so quickly, you know, getting rid of Gordon Fournier. Sure. But I'm not, I'm not so sure I like getting rid of Vucevic like that, but to your point, Dan going to Chicago, he probably takes a little bit, a little bit of a hit in terms of his fantasy value playing alongside a guy like Zach Levine. Whereas in, in Orlando, he was the guy. He was putting up 25 shots a game. He was stacking, you know, stacking the box score. So I, I think his his value comes down a little bit. I'm not sure this does anything to Levine's value. If anything, it might go up. He, he might he might see you know easier shot opportunities. 
you know, Daniel Tice uh, going to Chicago, his value comes down. He's probably going to come off the bench. So he was starting there in Boston. But that uh, that opened up the door for Robert Williams. I can let somebody else hey. talk about Robert Williams. <laughs> we t- but we, we talked about this early in the day on the trade deadline. There were some rumors floating around that Tice was going to get moved. And that was, you know, that was before the fantasy basketball trade deadline. So it was like, yo, go pick up, go try to buy Robert Williams immediately because he's going to feast. And he feasted in his first game as a starter without Tristan Thompson due to health protocols and Daniel Tice on another squad. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Tristan Thompson's going to miss a few more games. So this is, this is Time Lord season. It's upon us. Great point, man. Time Lord is going to be huge down the stretch. Uh, we just got to hope that uh, Boston doesn't pick up Andre Drummond. I know they're in the mix for that. To your point, Adam, about the Bulls, man, all these guys coming to Chicago, the Bulls, you know, odds of winning the championship, they actually increased to plus 20,000 on Bovada and Boston's odds went up to plus 4,500. So both teams made, you know, positive moves in that regard at the deadline. But for Chicago, man, this is just an absolutely loaded front court and it's going to be much tougher to decide you know, who do I want to play on a given night, especially for DFS purposes, uh, just because everybody is capable of getting theirs. Completely agree with you, Zach. And this is a guy I've touted a little bit over the last couple episodes. I think Vucevic heading to Chicago does damage Larry Markkinen's value a ton. I don't see how he's going to hold the same value he did. I have a a lot of shares of him, and I don't think it's going to be the same. So his value definitely goes down. Thaddeus Young's goes down as well. And this is going to be a a good real-life team, and their, their fantasy outlook is going to get a little bit less i would say yeah so i think it sounds like in summary a lot of the the basketball moves that were made at the deadline really impacted you know playoff contending teams and as well as teams that were just willing to sell off their assets to uh get acquire some younger talent but from a fantasy perspective who are the biggest winners let's let's i know we've talked about a lot of names but for me I'm holding out hope that the Celtics are not going to be on Andre Drummond and this is going to be Robert Williams coming out party. I'm going to, I'm going to keep on riding with my man there. I think he's probably one of the biggest winners here now that he does very minimal. He has a very minimal competition for playing time with at the front court with Tristan Thompson still going through the protocols and literally no one behind them after that. I think two, two big winners for me, Wendell Carter, he was a bench player uh, the last couple of weeks on Chicago. He probably joins the starting lineup in Orlando, and they obviously need some firepower there. Tuma Okiki for Orlando is another big winner for me. Josh Jackson's a, a pretty big winner. Obviously, he's a guy that still comes off the bench, but he's going to fill up the, the box uh, score as well. Uh, and Terrence Ross. So, so three guys that are either on Orlando, were on Orlando or went to the Magic. Um, I like a lot of those guys. Let me throw a name out here for you guys because, uh, you know, you guys both stole my thunder with all these awesome waiver wire pickups. Good calls from everybody. How about a guy named Daniel Gafford who got traded to Washington? Mo Wagner is gone. His only competition is Alex Len and Robin Lopez, two guys who are uh, honestly ridiculously underwhelming. Uh, do I think Daniel Gafford in the long run? I mean, from a dynasty perspective, this is an awesome move. And this season – I really don't think it's hard to envision him outplaying those two guys down the stretch and a uh, Washington team that's nowhere near making the playoffs gives him a bit more look. So he's 2% rostered in Yahoo leagues. He's worth an ad for me. Man, I don't know. I don't know what Washington and Scott Brooks, what they do with their rotations. I I never know who's going to get the minutes at center. Every time I recommend a guy on DFS, he plays 10 minutes. I recommended Alex Len after he like 
put up a ridiculous stat line and he he played like 12 minutes and scored a couple points. So I don't know what they're doing there in Washington with their big man rotation. So the leading rebounder yeah. tends to be Russell Westbrook on a nightly basis anyway. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. just he crashes those boards, man. I've been hurt recently by trusting the the front court in Washington. Um, I'll, I'm going to just mention Terrence Ross. We already talked a lot about him, but I think he's a big winner from the trade deadline. Since you guys stole all of the people I wanted to talk about, I will go ahead. I'm going to talk about one of my biggest losers of the trade deadline, and it's none other than Akeel Alexander Walker. Oh, this one hurt because we all, all thought Lonzo Ball was going to get traded. So open up the window for NAW to produce. He's been averaging like 20 points a game or 15, 20 points a game over his last week or so, seeing 30-plus minutes a game in his last four. And Lonzo Ball is still going to be here in New Orleans. So once he's healthy, I think he's hurt now. I think he's out for the next maybe game or two. So you will have some value with Nikhil Alexander-Walker for the short term. But long term, this absolutely killed his fantasy value for the rest of the season. Yeah, NAW becomes a drop when you know for sure that Lonzo Ball is back and healthy. And I just want to throw one more name out real quick. I know we're getting near the end of the show, but a guy that just got bought out, Gorgie Dang. This is another per-minute darling for his career. Per 36, 15 points, 11 rebounds, 3.6 combined block steals. Uh, A contending team is going to pick him up and play him some solid minutes. So he's worth an ad if you have a roster spot. Zach, when you said you wanted to talk about Gorgie Dang on the pod, I thought you were dead-ass kidding. This dude might not be in the NBA anymore no. after getting bought yes, out. Bro. I'm Listen, with you, Zach. Don't, don't let him say Thank that. I'm with you. you. I'm with no, you. I'm if not you're a guy known for kidding. So if no, you're, in an 18, if you're in an 18-team league, you can maybe give Gorgie Jang a look. <laughs> okay, Listen, dude, on. when we come back next week and he's rocking and rolling, man, I want to hear a full apology uh, from you, dude. I'm just going to say this. After the Kevin Porter Jr. situation, I am listening to what Zach says. I'm not going to give crap about it. But Gorgie Dang fits what the Heat want. I've heard things from people that I follow, like sources and things on Twitter, that the Heat are going to give him a good look before LaMarcus Aldridge. So if he does go to Miami, I don't think he's like a, a fantasy ad. <laughs> I don't really think he's like somebody to ad. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about myself adding Gorgie Dang over all the guys we talked about. The only place right. he um, could go and have value <laughs> is Orlando. That's it. Yeah. Well, well like, I think Dang is de- he's definitely a uh, a cheaper option than Lamarcus Aldridge. But if if, not, if I'm the Heat, I'm I'm gonna take LMA over over Gorgie. He's but a pile we'll, of we'll Dang in terms of fantasy. <laughs> I'm literally in the middle of my spiel. I just started laughing because I imid- I imagined myself dropping like like a fringe guy for like Gorgie Dang, and I. <laughs> so one one last note: S- SGA is going to be out with plantar fasciitis. Also, another guy that we talked about last week, Ty Jerome, another solid pickup that you can that you can get. But we're going to close out the show. Check back in with us next week. Make sure that you check hashtag basketball for the advanced schedule grid to get all the latest updates on who's going to be playing the most games each week. And we'll see you next week.